It's Tuesday, August 4th, 2015. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. So there's a fast food joint in Iran. Maybe you heard of it. Oh, it's not McDonald's. It's Mashdonald's. Because if it were McDonald's, it might get burned to the ground by anti-Western extremists, or as they call them in Iran, moderates, actually pacifists. And when we say it might get burned to the ground if it were an actual McDonald's, that actually happened. It got burned to the ground. 1994, they tried to have a McDonald's. Two days later, burned to the ground. But now there is a McDonald's. It doesn't sell Western Satan meat, but it does have the exact color scheme and decor and menu-type fonts of McDonald's. Mayor McCheese, though popularly elected, has to carry out the will of the ruling Mikayatolas. That is true. This was all in the New York Times. It's about Iran opening up to the West. Had a number of great details. Among these interesting facts was not the fact that I happen to know that the recipe for the secret sauce can be divulged, but it takes a 24-day notification process. Look, I could make McDonald's jokes all day, but I want to point to another sentence. In fact, sentence fragment that I came across in that New York Times story. Besides McDonald's, Tehran has a KFC, Kabuki fried chicken, and a Pizza Hut, which they call Pizza Hat. Yes, Pizza Hat. You know, maybe this isn't a restaurant. Maybe it's actually an art project like Lady Gaga or Matthew Barney. Or maybe that's how Iranians think we idolaters eat pizza. You know, I shouldn't be saying this out loud because you know the actual Pizza Hut, those purveyors of the stuffed crust pizza, the hot dog bites pizza. You gotta think that they actually do have a pizza hat in the pipeline. You gotta think their breakout time is about two months for the meat lover's pizza hat. And it's too late to stop it. I mean, the deal as brokered by the weak-willed Obama administration, it's gonna march us all to the pizza ovens and essentially fit us, lift that pizza hat upon our head. Not available in pizza yarmulke. On the show today, I spiel about the oh-so-costly and unprecedented elections in Canada. They are so cute in their outrage up there. But first, Maria Konnikova is here with the 411 on BPA. It's news that you and your family, especially your pet zebrafish, won't want to miss. Ideas for Is That Bullshit come from a variety of sources. We're joined every so often by Maria Konnikova. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game and Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. Hello, Maria. Hello, Mike. So as I say, ideas from Is That Bullshit, our segment where we test scientific claims, come from all over. This, I believe, is the first time we've ever really gotten an idea from a film, a seminal film from the 1960s, The Graduate. It's when the guy gives advice to Benjamin. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Yeah. Plastics. Exactly. How do you mean? There's a great future in plastics. Think about it. Plastics. Let's talk about plastics. In fact, for this episode, we're joined by a special guest. Would you like to introduce him? I absolutely will. 
He was saying, hello, my <laughs> name is BPA-free bottle. You speak BPA-free? I do, I do. Now, if this bottle had not been BPA-free, yeah. it, their accent is a, a little bit different, uh-huh. so it yeah, might have been tell. a little bit more difficult for me. Would have yeah. So that's a that's just a regular Poland Springs bottle mm-hmm. with the uh, cool spout, but it probably retails for $1.75. That's BPA-free? I believe it is. Wow. Why does it have to be? What's so bad about BPAs? Back before 2008, BPA was considered safe. Yeah. Um, the FDA said, use it. Baby bottles, awesome. Baby mm-hmm. formula, awesome. Mm-hmm. Any sort of food container, the plastic bottles like the ones I'm holding, BPA seems totally fine. And then in 2008, some really disturbing papers came out that made everyone say, uh-oh, maybe BPA is actually not as fine as we thought it was mm-hmm. because it seems to work somehow interfering with your hormones, maybe. Mm -hmm. So it can be like an estrogen type of thing that when consumed, even in small quantities, and what happens is we don't literally consume BPA because it's in the plastic, but what happens is it leaches. Leaches. It leaches from the plastic into the food or the water or whatever is being stored in it, and then we ingest it. Were they originally saying BPA was safe because they didn't think it leached or because even if it did leach, it was still okay? They thought that in small quantities, it was totally fine. And what is BPA, by the way? It's bisphenol A. Now, the strange thing or horrifying thing for me is that I have two sons. One was born in 2007. I told my then wife at the time, it's fine. We'll give him the bottle. And then the next was born in 2008. I'm like, uh, the research has changed. We're not going to be reusing all these <laughs> bottles. Right. And so what had happened is there was just a lot of evidence in uh, non-humans, but also some starting to come in from humans showing that in small amounts, there might actually be effects, effects that can influence your immune system, your hormonal levels, and can really mess with development, which is especially bad if you're A, a fetus, or B, a newborn, or a a kid that's really growing quickly. Yeah, and this is exactly who drinks out of plastic bottles. Exactly, and this is the sippy cups, your favorite sippy cup, the baby formula, where is it stored, all the baby foods, a lot of those, unless they're in glass containers. And so, what a disservice. Yes, and so that regulations changed and BPA, they said you have to phase it out. We can't, we can't have it anymore. And so... Today, a lot of things say BPA-free, yeah. and instead, most of them have been replaced by this other compound called BPS. Unfortunately, last year, some really disturbing stuff came out, and it ends up that BPS, so what's probably in this bottle, I don't mm-hmm. know if it is, is actually worse oh, great. than BPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... What happened was we realized, okay, BPA is bad, but we're not really sure why, and we're not really sure what it's doing to the body. Yeah. And so if you don't understand why, then when you engineer the replacement, you might actually be perpetuating the problem. Let me make an analogy. You know that game on the Price is Right where you put down four different prices mm-hmm. and then you pull the lever and it maybe says one or two. If it's four, you win. So let's say it says two. Mm-hmm. Then you could go back and rearrange them. But since you don't know which two, you could actually make it worse. You could only go to one or zero. Right? Exactly. So Great analogy, Mike. Very, very wonderful. Very wonderful. Not just wonderful. It's it's a perfect <laughs> analogy. So from now on, we'll be analogizing everything to The Price is Right or yeah. other relevant TV shows from mm-hmm. the 90s. No whammies, no whammies. Stop. <laughs>
<laughs> so, so what ended up happening is we now have basically the scientist went to bat and said, "Hey guys, BPS is really scary. Look, I've put these cells." in a petri dish and I've done some in vitro studies I've added BPS and look at what happened it's affecting the way the cells function it's affecting their metabolism like bad stuff is happening and so he actually was sued by this big plastics company and they ended up winning the lawsuit the judge ruled against him because they said you didn't test this in in vivo you didn't test this in live things you tested it in a petri dish would it be so, unethical to test it in live things well in humans yes yeah. so then over the next you know 5 years a bunch of scientists started testing it in live things. So for instance, they tested both BPA and BPS in zebrafish. Oh. And zebrafish have neuronal development, so their brains develop actually in a very similar way to humans, except obviously faster and you can study them much more easily. And what they found was that neuronal development in fish that had BPA that were subjected to very small levels of BPA, it just went haywire over 100 times what it was supposed to be. And BPS, it was over 200 and something times, like 270 times. Yeah, almost three um, times. Something like that. Yeah. And this was really bad because then you ended up having over time, all sorts of health problems, cognitive problems. The fish started acting like they had ADD. Really bad stuff started happening. So that was one study. In another study, they looked at rats, and this was a different group. And they found that really small levels interfered with hormones and gave rats arrhythmia, cardiac arrhythmia, and all sorts of heart problems. So now we have some evidence coming in from animals that says that, hey, guys, you know how you made the fuss over BPA? We shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be banning BPA. We should be understanding what's going on and saying, okay, we can't have these types of things that can act like estrogen, that can interfere with your natural hormones, or maybe they're not even acting like estrogen. That's one hypothesis. We're not quite sure what's going on, but we know there are some hypotheses about it. And we know that they seem to be really screwing with people. And it seems to follow an inverse U-curve, which at least in animals, which means in very tiny amounts, it's really bad. And then in larger amounts, it actually isn't quite as bad. And then in really large amounts, it's really bad again. So what's the state of plastic bottles today? Do they have, they're all BPA-free. Are they BPS-free? So a lot of them have BPS. Well, they, and so uh, are, and we don't know. B- and we don't know. Yeah. So I have no idea if my bottle has BPS or not. Now, I am not an infant, and I'm not, you know, under five years old mm-hmm. or un- even under 10 years old, unfortunately, though I sometimes wish I were. So it probably is not going to be quite as terrible for me. But if I were to have kids right now, Mm -hmm. and were to keep being exposed to this, that might actually matter. We don't know if it does. There hasn't been any good work that shows whether or not a mother can transmit it to the baby. So that I don't know. I mean, there's no reason to think that I wouldn't transmit it because we know that mothers transmit basically everything to to their fetuses. So do you recommend drinking out of glass bottles or metal bottles, like putting your water in that as opposed to drinking it out of the plastic bottle? Yes, I would also say just don't heat it because Uh things that a lot of the time that it leaches is in hot circumstances. So, for instance, if I were to to store my Poland Spring bottle in like a really, really hot room or in direct sun, Mm -hmm. that might raise the possibility of leaching. And by the way, once again, I don't actually know if this has BPS or not. I'm assuming it does, but I don't know. 
so that Poland Spring doesn't decide to sue us for suggesting that they have BPS when they in they fact will do not. sue. <laughs> yeah, you can, unless you make that claim in vivo. So, <laughs> all right, let's do it. Fear of the BPA, fear of the BPS, is that bullshit? No, that's absolutely not bullshit. And what is bullshit is that BPA-free means safe. Oh, okay. BPA-free can mean BPA. Exactly. We normally, like, consumers see BPA-free and say, excellent, I'm going to buy this. But you might have been better off with the, okay, you know what, I'm just going to go with the BPA because the replacement they've now thought of is even worse. Excellent information. That is the selected retail price without going over of scientific information. Thank you, Maria Konnikova. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Bottle. And now the spiel. Oh, Canada. So they're having an election north of the border. Quick, name the prime minister of Canada. I'll give you a couple choices. Stephen Harper, David Miller, Andrew White, or Taylor Kitsch. All right, you know it's not Taylor Kitsch. It's Stephen Harper. And he said that it's election time. And prime ministers, they get to say it's election times. And the Canadian media are apo-freaking-plectic. Parliament has been dissolved. The writ has dropped like a hammer, and we have entered an election campaign unlike any in living memory. Today, a 78-day campaign begins. By any standards, grueling, and the longest on record since the 19th century. For taxpayers, it's also set to be the most expensive. Said to be the most expensive. And we'll get to that in a second. But also, let's talk about when he says it's unprecedented. Well, there is this slightly larger, more populous country to the south that challenges that precedent. Heard about it? Here in the USA, it's not 78 days until an election. It's 461 days. That's five and a quarter years on Mercury, The Mackenzie Valley gray wolf could conceive and give birth seven different times in that period if said gray wolf bottle feeds. But the point is, if 78 days in Canada is grueling, what is 461? Is it tear your eyes out of the socket and replace them with habanero sauce? Ing, (laughs) there are no words. And what of the expense? Well, let's talk about these Canadian figures. By calling for a campaign of unprecedented length, Stephen Harper has added at least $100 million to the taxpayer's bill. $100 million, that's 100 million Canadian. It's about 75 million American. Wow. Wow. And by wow, I mean not at all wow. Canada, 35 million people. North Carolina, 9 million people. Cost of North Carolina's 2014 Senate campaign. Candidates raised about 30 million. Outside groups spent $83 million. All right, let's take one state, Canada, as I said, 35 million people. California is a couple million more. In California, in 2010, one candidate, Meg Whitman, didn't spend $75 million like Canada's going to spend. She spent $175 million to lose by a lot. All right, what about Alaska? Alaska is close to Canada. And the spending is also close. In 2014, the Alaska candidates running for Senate raised about $18 million. Outside groups spent $40 million. It's in the ballpark of what Canada spends. Oh, yeah, one thing. 
Alaska's population is 700,000. They spend 30 times as much per voter in Alaska as they do in Canada. Now, I do want to say that it is true that in Canada, the voters literally are paying, not all of it, but once the election, once that writ is dropped, as you hear about that, 60% of election costs are paid by the taxpayers. But the costs are capped. Stephen Harper's party did pass a bill allowing more money than ever to be spent. But compared to America, it is not much money at all. And even though taxpayers will have to pay a couple of cents ahead to pay for an election, the effect is an election that doesn't oppress you, that isn't a deluge, that within the course of its oh-so-unprecedented 78 days, you could actually take a breather from. Not so in the United States. But, you know, in Canada, they do have issues, a lot of issues, like crime, you know? In Canada, 131 gun murders in 2013. That's not good, all those people dying. In Chicago, 241 gun murders so far this year. Two points about that. We're only in August. And second thing, Chicago's just one freaking city compared to a whole country. So here's the deal with Canada. We mock them for the cold and the earnestness and the accents, like when their political analysts say. Well, I thought it was actually kind of a somber launch for an election campaign. I mean, is there anything less sibling than a Canadian analyst saying the word somber about a political race? It's hilarious, right? 131 gun murders. It's hysterical. One sixth the election season, one thirtieth the wasteful spending. So funny. The USA is all grasshopper. Canada is all ant. Though, if you remember the Aesop's fable, those insects were both trying to make it through the long winter. Hip check and checkmate to the Canadians. And that's it for today's show. Andrea Salenzi is not only the Gist's producer, she's also opening a Tehran-based poultry place. It's called Chick-fil B. Luckily, it won't have to change existing same-sex partner policies. Joe Meyer is opening an Iranian-based burger joint, Jalal, in the box. And Jalal will remain in the box on charges that he passed along state secrets. Doesn't make him less delicious. Andy Bowers, our executive producer, hopes to tempt Tehranis with Dairy Queen Atusa. Atusa, of course, the daughter of Cyrus the Great, later married Darius the Great, great queen in Persian history. You thought the blizzard of rocket attacks launched by Hezbollah turned the tide in Lebanon? Well, wait till you taste the Dairy Queen Atusa blizzard. It delivers a payload of flavor. Our Facebook page is gist.com slash slate gist. It's fully armed and operational. On Twitter, we're at slate gist. And iTunes, go to iTunes. Give us a review. This actually helps boost our ratings which in turn invites others to listen. The gist, we're not trying to crack the Iranian market. We're going to counterbalance that trend by opening IHAS, International House of Saud. It will have a location in the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, where it will serve the Sharm El Sheikh, and also in Yemen, where you can order the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity Fun the Sunni Fight the Houthi breakfast special. Thanks for listening.